0: If I say smartphone, smart TV, or smart appliance, no doubt you have a pretty good idea of what I'm talking about. In fact, putting the word smart in front of a lot of products has become a thing, and it generally means that that product is connected, sometimes autonomous, and generally designed to make life easier. But a smart city? Defining that is a little more complex. For most, a smart city is a place where technology rules and where the Wi-Fi is free and fast. But peel back a city's layers of traffic, waste management, safety and security, water, power, sustainability and more, and you'll discover that a smart city is made up of a few things besides good Wi-Fi. It's true that connectivity is a cornerstone of smart cities, but that's just one aspect of its makeup – From the smallest traffic cameras to the tallest buildings on the block and from the simplest pedestrian walkway to the kilometers of invisible water, power and fiber infrastructure, a smart city brings together planning, strategy, technology and ingenuity in a web of interconnected systems that work non-stop to create a higher quality of living for its citizens. And that's what this series is about. We'll be taking you to some of the most innovative smart cities in the world, to show you the ideas, concepts, and solutions that are making life better, oftentimes without us even noticing how it's done. And we speak to experts at Waterfall to find out how they're bringing these solutions closer to home in South Africa. I'm Spike Ballantyne, and this is the Waterfall Podcast Season 3, Smart Cities. Perhaps the best place to start is by getting a good definition – With so many things going into its makeup, we decided to get the help of a U.S.-based expert to decode the term smart city.
1: My name is Deborah Lamb, and I am the executive director of the Partnership for Inclusive Innovation.
0: So when you think about smart cities, there are a lot of elements that go into it. There's technology and planning and sustainability, but what would be a simple explanation of a smart city?
1: To me, the definition of smart cities is more of a continuous improvement process versus an end state of congratulations, you're a smart city, and then you don't have to think about it anymore. We really think of smart cities as the application and integration of technologies, data, and similar tools to improve the quality of life. Ultimately, it's very much about the people and the community and how we can empower them through their application of technology.
0: That's an interesting way of looking at it because I suppose when people think about smart cities, their first thoughts are about technology and gadgets and the future. But I suppose a lot of the solutions for any smart city have got to do with the context of the city itself.
1: I don't like it to be driven by technology because I think it produces what I call uh, like a technology arms race, right? you can be like, I have 5,000 sensors. I'm super smart. And then another community could be like, well, I have 6,000 sensors. I am smarter than you. And it's, it becomes this terrible technology-driven focus at the expense of the people and the community. So the question is, so what if you have 5,000 sensors? What are you doing with those 5,000 sensors? What, what does it actually address or do? Versus if you start with a problem or the community, and then you think about what are the appropriate tools and technologies that can help you, then it allows technology to be an important aspect, but it's not the sole focus.
0: The idea that it's not all about technology is shared by the team at Waterfall, a few of whom you'll get to meet over the course of this series. Situated on a 2,200 hectare tract of land, Waterfall is the largest mixed-use development in Africa and the largest property development in South African history. Ultimately, it'll combine over 28,000 residential units housing an estimated 80,000 people, with approximately 2.5 million square meters for commercial, retail and office space. Waterfall is extraordinary in the sense that as a greenfield development unaffected by the constraints of older developments and existing infrastructure, it's allowed developers and planners to create a new city within a city from a blank slate, using the latest urban design principles for infrastructure, services, open public spaces, and of course, the buildings themselves. Featuring everything expected from a modern city, along with a state-of-the-art fiber optic and wireless communication network, as well as on-site alternative energy provision, Waterfall is truly a trailblazing city. Partnering with Waterfall is att who hold the development rights for Waterfall City and the logistics hub, which includes Mall of Africa and most of the office, mixed use and commercial buildings. My name is Giles Pendleton. I'm the chief development officer at Attack. An experienced smart city practitioner, Giles elaborates on the concept behind Waterfall in relation to technology. We
2: approached smart cities uh, from the view that it's a human centric approach so that it's a better experience all round. I come from smart cities in Dubai for, for many years and uh, we approached it in those days slightly differently. It was tech led. So we've rebased it around a human centric experience. And then from our side, at attack developing sort of the CBD of, of waterfall city, you know, smart cities are almost fundamental to how we run the city and how we attract tenants and the experiences of, of visitors, residents and, and tenants.
0: So the goal for any smart city systems is to make life better for its residents. But there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of different challenges to overcome. Deborah Lamb explains.
1: I think for any a community, there are a whole host of issues, whether it's uh, transportation or energy or buildings or air quality. And these are common issues that any city or community might be facing. And you can think about it as a global challenge as much as a development challenge, right? So you you don't have to be a certain population size or a certain density or even a certain geography to be having these common challenges.
0: If you've listened to any previous waterfall podcast seasons, you'll recognize the voice of waterfall management companies Vili Foss. Like Deborah and Giles, he agrees that technology is a supporting element in the Smart City story expands on some of Waterfall's solutions.
3: It's not only about tech, it's about sustainability, smart thinking, how can you reuse things, etc. But the other question people usually ask is, uh, what's the recipe to start with? And what we've learned over the years is that each society or city will have its own reason to become more smart than previously. For example, in our case, it was all about security initially. Um, So connectivity... Is the name of the game You have to have proper connectivity Right through the city And we focus a lot on security Many people come to Waterfall because of that And from that stems a number of other um, aspects That's the smart buildings um, The sustainability of our energy management And the water management Those are very important components at the moment Of um, what we're focusing on and then it 's the general city management you know uh, we don 't want things to go to to waste unnecessarily. smart traffic management, uh, communication with people it 's also a very important component for us at the moment we 're spending a lot of money on um, platforms, data platforms, data management, and so on we don 't want technology to dictate to the humans how to to work we rather want Technology and our sustainability efforts to be to the benefit of the residents of, of Waterfall.
0: In some distant utopian future, there is a vision of every city in the world being a smart city. But that's obviously not going to happen overnight. It has to start small, then scale and change as the needs of the communities change. For Deborah, it doesn't necessarily start with big infrastructure and huge investment, but rather with something that fits into your pocket.
1: What makes smart cities interesting is that they've lowered the barriers to entry for people, right? So everyone, a lot of people already have access to, you know, one of the smartest computers that, you know, we had decades ago, right? Your cell phone that captures lots of different data points at any one point, and then you as the consumer can apply that information to your day-to-day living. You you know, concretely, you can think about transportation, right? So as you think about your commute each morning, there are a few things that you are thinking about, right? So first of all, you're thinking whether you actually need to make that trip or whether, you know, the, the good or service can be sent to you or whether you can just telecommute, right? So there there are already things that allow you to not even make the trip. But if you do have to make the trip, you are looking at your phone and thinking about the different modes to make that trip based on, you know, how fast you need to get there, you know, the level of carbon emissions that you know you care to emit, uh, how expensive it is, and then with that you can choose from your phone, like the different range of transportation options, whether you want to walk, whether you want to use micromobility, mobility, whether you want to use public transit or whether you want to bike or drive your own personal vehicle or a shared vehicle. There's a whole range of different transportation options that allow you to decide whether one to travel to begin with, but then two, if you are traveling, how you want to travel and that, you know, can all be done within your phone. That is one way of dealing, uh, addressing transportation issues within a smart city setting.
0: Giles explains how data gathering helps make sure the city stays ahead of the curve. Future
2: planning is essentially based on the historical performance of the city. Uh, you can apply that to people. You can apply that to utilities. So you know, everything now has a value for us in, in how it's consumed or used. And the behavior so water has a behavior, uh, electricity has a behavior, people have a behavior, cars, so uh, even security trends, crime has a behavior uh, again if you if you overlay all of these tiers of data, it starts to paint a picture of how the city runs and how we would like it to run. so where we see data or the trends not working, how we would like it to work, or optimal or out of the predictability, we have to ask those questions, why and then we interrogate it so it's definitely a collaborative approach between the the developers. And the landowners in a, in a way that, um, allows us to share data, uh, and to then utilize that data for the better of the human experience.
0: Obviously waterfall is a growing community and it's going to continue to grow over the foreseeable future. So how does that growth affect the decisions that are made for waterfall?
2: Ultimately, we're going to be a, a city, um, with pick a number somewhere north of 150,000 people living here, working here. It's a, a full blown city. Some technologies work at scale of 10%. Some would work at 20, 30, 40, et cetera. Some of these great ideas will only work when we're towards the back end of the city where this, where the scalability, because we're 80% built, you know, I'll pick on one right now. So the recycling of waste. So that's your, uh, you know, your plastic, glass, tin, paper. You know, at what point does that become, uh, sustainable for us to set up an on-site system? where all of the waste generated in Waterfall, in in the recycling bags, gets processed in Waterfall and then exported out in compacted sort of cubes of all the glasses crushed and put into certain bins and it goes out. At some point, it's going to be commercially viable and sustainable for us to do it on site. Are we there now? No. Uh, And we're 30% built. So at what point does that happen? It's very difficult to predict when that happens. But we know for a fact that almost everything we do especially in the smart space will at some point have a trigger point in its scalability. We've got to get there. And, and that's why people, a lot of people are saying, Oh, but you guys, you know, there's so many cool things in the world that you're not doing. And I think I can assure you, we've looked at almost everything and we know when it will work and when it won't work. So the, 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 what we're talking about now with the green waste. So that's your, your wet waste that comes out of the mall or your, all your scraps of food and, and, and cooking waste, um, all the garden waste. So everybody's grass and, and leaves off cut, um, a year ago, we weren't ready for that to go through an on-site process that produced, call it waterfall compost. We are now at that point because the volumes have got to a point because people are moving into waterfall because of the, the consumer culture. We're producing a lot more. Now we're at that point where it makes sense, but it also took a shift from us to understand the waste that we were producing as a city, that, that, that upcycling waste stream, you know, not all waste is the same. Once we started with the service providers and through the various management forums of getting our service providers to record what waste was being produced, then you can do your modeling and you can understand right we 're at point we 're back we 're ready to go for it now, so I think ultimately waterfall will end up with a world class automated recycling segregation center um, that you have all over the world because all this waste it 's either sorted manually or it 's sorted automatically. I think we will eventually end up with an automated system. It'll crush and dice and slice every bit of plastic paper, glass, and tin, and segregate them into different different streams, and they will go downstream back to their sources. So the glass may end up, for example, all crushed up, Pick a number, a couple of hundred tons a week, and will end up going back into the supply chain of the likes of console, which will then be blended back into new glass. Um, are we at that point now? No, I wish we were. Uh, but I can tell you for a fact that the waste, the recycling waste content is exponentially growing in the estate.
0: As the city grows, so does the potential to add more and more technologies to solve the challenges that that growth will eventually bring. And as Deborah Lamb pointed out at the beginning of this episode, a smart city isn't an end state. It's continuously evolving. For her, that means the best smart cities aren't the ones at the top of the tech and data food chain.
1: Some of the smartest cities um, in terms of amazing work is, again, not so much about them doing some technology or, or, you know, silver bullet fancy kind of tech. It's actually how they have been intentional about utilizing technology in terms of their structure, uh, you know, in terms of one, setting up the vision. What is the problem? You know, how are we addressing it? Two, engaging in in its citizens and wider stakeholders, you know, incorporating them into the process so they are committed to the outcomes. And then three, taking an iterative approach to it. So understanding that not everything is going to be successful right away, but knowing that they are in it for the long haul and are willing to work together to advance this greater good by uh, not being afraid to take risk and not being afraid to fail because they know that that failure is joined or shared uh, collectively and that you know that's okay because you are driving a greater good so it's it's that type of process and governance along with committed resources expertise budgets that allow for a really strong smart cities and you can see that change in terms of there's a lot of again it goes back to the definition there's a lot of different indices and rankings of who the top smart cities are and that indices or methodology has evolved into thinking more holistically about whether this city or this community has the vision the governance the infrastructure the resources and the ability to really advance it um, for the long term
0: just which cities are responding in the best ways to the needs of their citizens and how they're doing it is what we'll be exploring throughout this series. We'll be crossing the globe from Poland to India and from Australia to the Czech Republic, as well as taking a look at the world-class solutions that Waterfall is developing in South Africa. This has been another episode of the Waterfall Podcast. Find all the episodes on your favorite podcast platform, as well as on the Cliff Central and Go Waterfall apps.